before we jump into the passage that we remind ourselves exactly why Luke wrote this two-volume account. He wrote two books in the New Testament. He's the only Gentile to write uh, a book in the New Testament. He wrote two. He wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. Luke, the gospel account, is the first volume. And then Acts is the second volume. The, the gospel account follows Jesus and his ministry from Galilee to Jerusalem, through Jerusalem, ultimately to the cross. And then the book of Acts picks up where that book left off. And he picks up by following Jesus to the ascension, uh, where he ascended into heaven. He gives out the Great Commission, uh, which is for us to go and make disciples. And then, uh, and then he follows the establishment of the church. So beginning in Acts chapter 2 and following, uh, there is this incredible move of the Spirit. He, uh, the Holy Spirit descends and, uh, upon the church, and it is established by Acts chapter 2. And then all the way up to uh, the middle of the book, we are following the Apostle Peter. Today, we shift gears. Today, we shift over to Paul, and the rest of the book is going to be focused on Paul's ministry. So the first half of the book of Acts focuses on Luke, and then the second half uh, focuses, uh, or the first half focuses on Peter, uh, and then the second half focuses on the Apostle Paul. So why did Luke write this then? What was his purpose? Well, we actually find it in Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says this, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, he says, I've got a good understanding of what happened. I've watched this thing unfold. I've seen Jesus' ministry. I've watched it. I've seen the church. I've seen all of these things happen. And since I've seen that and I have a good understanding of it, it made sense to me to write it all down. Why? So that you can know with what? Certainty. That you can know with certainty. That's a key word. He doesn't want you to have any question at all about Jesus' ministry. He doesn't want you to have any questions at all about the establishment of the church. He's, he basically is saying, look, I'm writing these things down so that you can know with certainty. That should be our goal. That should be our goal as well. If that was Luke's goal in writing the books of Luke and Acts, then it should be our goal as well. When we read through it, we should be walking away going, okay, he wrote this so that I can know with certainty the events that took place. And that's what our, our heart is. Now, notice this. Luke doesn't say, ah, just believe me. I mean, it's all a matter of faith, right? Just, just take my word for it. It's a matter of faith. No, faith doesn't mean that you don't have a brain. <laughs> it doesn't. Faith doesn't mean that you don't have a brain. It doesn't mean that you don't have intellect. It doesn't mean that you just check your brain at the door and just whatever, just take someone's word for it. That's not faith. Faith clearly is knowing with certainty. Part of faith is, is, is using your intellect, the, the brain that God gave you, to use some intellect and discover that these things actually occurred, that Jesus is the resurrected Christ, and that we can know those things with certainty. So Luke wants the reader's faith to be strengthened. He wants their faith uh, to, to not only be strengthened, but to have an accurate and orderly account of the things that he's writing about. And he wants us to know those things uh, with certainty as well. So we come this morning to Paul's first missionary journey. Paul's first missionary journey. In fact, I put on your tables, you'll have a little postcard with a map. Uh, early on in this series, we had a whole map behind me. 
and then as we uh, move beyond uh, the, uh, the area of, of Israel, uh, the map started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we just couldn't continue to build the backdrop, so uh, we started having to, to we'll, we'll do some other things along the way, and there's a map of, of Paul's first missionary journey. Now, it's recorded, his first missionary journey is recorded in two chapters, 13 and 14, and in these two chapters, it gives us a good process for missional efforts. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to consider, as we read through the scriptures together, four key aspects to our missional efforts as a church and as Christians. How, how Paul's first missionary journey should impact our thinking as Christians and how we, uh, how we interact. So let's consider uh, the first one, key point number one. The Holy Spirit uses local churches as the sending agents for missionaries. The Holy Spirit uses local churches as the sending agent for missionaries. Let's pick up. We're going to read the first five verses. Um, now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was uh, called Niger. Now, by the way, let me, let me pause there real quick because you're looking at that. Here's that word in the, in the, uh, the Bible, Niger. That is the actual pronunciation, pronunciation of it, Niger. And it's not Niger. Some, some people and some other people pronounce it entirely wrong. Uh, and that's way, way off. Niger is not accurate. And you would think that it might be Niger because Nigeria, the nation, is just below the country of Niger. But this, is, this country was actually named by the French. And uh, so we get its name actually from the French, meaning black. And it is pronounced Niger. Uh, so Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who was, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John. Now this is John Mark, by the way, not John the Apostle. Sometimes we can get confused when everybody has the first name, right? Same, same names. This is John Mark, the guy who wrote the, the gospel according to Mark. Uh, so uh, it might, might be easier to just say John Mark or Mark, but they also had Mark uh, as their assistant. So let's pause there. I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite missionary testimonies. In 1792, if you've never heard this name before, he's, he has become known as the, the father of modern missionaries. And his name is William Carey. In 1792, William Carey had made a commitment to take the gospel to unreached people groups. What an incredible task that is to begin with, but in 1792, no less, uh, he's wanting to take the gospel to places that have yet to hear, even hear the name of Jesus. And he and another missionary said, we're committed to do this. We're going to head to India. And so they're headed to India. They're going to they're, they're gonna, they're gonna need some support. They're going to need help. And they appealed to uh, those in their church. They appealed to those that were associated with them and said, we are, are going into uh, India, to this unreached people group, 
and we need your support. Andrew Fuller, who was in the, in the, uh, one of those who supported them, heard William Carey's plea for support. And Andrew Fuller described with an incredible analogy um, how, how that experience, how it unfolded with William Carey's plea. He said it was as if William Carey was saying, we are, we are about to explore, we're about to go exploring into uh, an untraversed cave. We're about to head down into a cave that no one has ever been in before. And as we go down into this cave, we need someone outside of the cave to hold the ropes while we go in. And Andrew Fuller said, if they are willing, I should never let go and hold the ropes. I love that phrase, hold the ropes. I love the phrase. I love the idea of that. What, what is he saying? Andrew Fuller was saying, look, I, I'm not the one going to India. William Carey and his friends, they're, they're both going to India. But if they're willing to go into this unexplored area, if they're willing to go, then I should do everything that I can to hold the rope for them while they're gone. I want that to be uh, a, a phrase that we are familiar with at Grace Point Church. As we become a church that is a sending church, every time that we send someone from our church onto a short-term mission project, Perhaps, or, you know, whether overseas or whether even in the United States or even, even locally. Anytime we send someone to go and do some type of work, we as a church should be the ones holding the rope. We should be the ones that are saying, look, we, we are here for you. We're going to hold on to the rope and support you while you go into the unexplored cave. So when I think about that, look back at verse 3. Here's what it says. Acts 13, verse 3. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. You know what that verse is? When I read that, that is holding the ropes. That's what they're doing. The church was saying, we're going we're gonna to fast for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to finance you. We're going to do everything that we can to let you know that we are here for you as a missionary. And that's my desire. That's a desire for me as a pastor. That's the type of church that I want to pastor is the type of church that will hold the ropes when others are willing to go.